Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. What difference does a future heaven make in my life today? The Bible says heaven is a real place. Why should we spend time thinking about heaven? Because as we're going to see in the weeks ahead, the choices we make in this life drastically impact the next life God has prepared for us. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. With all the troubles and pressures we face in life these days, most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about heaven. Don't we already really have enough to worry about? Well, today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains why the reality of heaven should transform our everyday lives. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and I'm delighted that you've set aside time to join us as we venture into our next series together. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that I've been looking forward to this day for a long time. Today on Pathway to Victory, we're kicking off a fascinating study about your eternal home. Over the next several weeks, we're giving our complete attention to a place called heaven. You see, as a Christian, you clearly understand that God is preparing a place for you in heaven. But how does that fact change the way you're living today? Does it really make any difference? Or do you look at heaven as nothing more than a sweet dessert after a good meal? Well, in addition to this teaching series, I'm pleased to tell you that my best-selling book, A Place Called Heaven, is something that's intentionally designed. By intentional, I mean this is something you'll pass along to someone who's suffering from loss. Maybe they're going through a stressful time, or perhaps they're struggling with a chronic illness, or grieving the loss of a loved one. The title of this gift book is Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. And I'd like to send you a copy when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. I'll give more details about my book later in the program. But right now, it's time to get started with message number one. Are you ready? Our primary text is John 14, verses 1 through 6. I've titled this message with a question, What difference does a future heaven make in my life today? Last year, I went on an international trip. It was only going to be for about a week. And so even though it was a short trip, I was going to a somewhat unfamiliar place and I needed to make certain preparations. Needed to stop the newspaper and mail delivery. Needed to make sure my cell phone would work in the country that I was going to. I needed to change some of my currency from dollars into pounds. And most of all, I needed to make sure I had a passport so that once I arrived in this new country, I would be allowed into the country. Now, my trip was brief. But did you know the Bible tells us that every one of us one day is going to make a trip to a distant country? It's a one-way trip to a place that is mainly unfamiliar to us. And this destination is not just a one-week stay it is going to be an eternal destination for every one of us. For those of us who are Christians and Christians only, that trip is to a place called heaven. And today we're beginning a 10-week study on this place called heaven. 
You know, it's amazing to me how few Christians even think about heaven. I think I understand why the overwhelming responsibilities of this life sometimes eclipse our thinking about the next life. Not only that, heaven seems remote. It seems irrelevant to those of us trying to rear a family or keep a job or make a living. Why should we be concerned about heaven? And yet, even though we don't think about heaven that much, there are times in our life when we long for a better place than earth, isn't there? Perhaps it's a betrayal by a close friend. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or the breakup of an important relationship. Sometimes there's a disappointment in this life that makes us long for something better. Philip Yancey writes, the Bible never belittles human disappointment, but it does add one key word, temporary. What we feel now, we will not always feel. Our disappointment is itself a sign of an aching, a hunger for something better. And faith is, in the end, a kind of homesickness for a home we have never visited but have never stopped longing for. We all long for that home, that place called heaven. And contrary to what some people believe, heaven is not just some fanciful creation of somebody to help dull the pain of the reality of this world. The Bible says heaven is a real place. In fact, Jesus assured us that heaven is a real place. In John 14, Jesus said to his disciples in verses 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. As we're going to discover in the coming weeks, Jesus is right now in heaven, and he is overseeing the largest construction project in all of history. He is building our future home, this place he calls heaven. Now, the question is, why should we talk about heaven? Why should we spend 10 weeks studying about heaven? Well, one reason is our departure for heaven is both certain and relatively soon. You know, the Bible talks all the time about the inevitability of our journey to this new destination called heaven. Our departure is certain and it's soon. One wag said it this way. He said, the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of every one dies. Have you come to grips with that? The fact that you are going to die? A writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, said it this way. Man does not know his time. Like fish caught in a treacherous net and birds trapped in a snare, so the sons of men are ensnared at an evil time when it suddenly falls on them. Death suddenly comes without any warning. Isaac, the patriarch, said in Genesis 27, 3, Behold, now I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. And neither do you, neither do I. Soldiers on a battlefield, cancer patients whose disease have been labeled terminal, they all understand the certainty of death, the reality of death. But it's just as real and uncertain for you and for me. 
And the fact that life is very brief here on earth should motivate us to use our time very, very wisely. In Psalm 90, verse 12, Moses prayed, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Every time I read that verse, I think about a wonderful friend of mine who is now in heaven. His name was Harold Warren. He was the chairman of the pastor search committee that called me to First Baptist Church, Wichita Falls, many years ago. And uh, Harold lived by this verse. He was in his mid to late 60s when I first got to know him. And I remember going to, into his office one day and seeing this blackboard, and it was filled with chalk marks, just little marks. The whole board was filled up with those. And I said, Harold, what is that? He said, well, the Bible says that I'll probably live to be age 70, so those marks represent how many days I have left to live before God calls me home. And every day I walk into my office, the first thing I do is erase one of those marks. Well, Harold went on to live to be 70 years old. All the marks were gone. But on the day after his 70th birthday, he started making a mark on the chalkboard. And the reason he did that every day was to remind himself that he was living on borrowed time. Now that's what Moses is talking about. When we realize the brevity of our life, we should live wisely. But you know, recognizing how brief our time is on earth also ought to motivate us to think about heaven. Many of you know the story of Johnny Erickson Tata. I just had the privilege of writing the foreword to a new study Bible she has produced. Johnny's story is remarkable. When she was a teenager in 1967, a diving accident caused her to become a quadriplegic. And since that time, Johnny has spent a lot of time thinking about heaven. She writes, heaven may be as near as next year or next week. So it makes good sense to spend some time here on earth thinking candid thoughts about that marvelous future reserved for us. Why should we spend time thinking about heaven? Because as we're going to see in the weeks ahead, the choices we make in this life drastically impact the next life God has prepared for us. Johnny Erickson is not the only one who has spent time thinking about heaven. As you look through history, great Christian writers and thinkers and philosophers have written a lot about heaven. C.S. Lewis said one time, the problem with most Christians is not that they think too much about heaven, but they think too little about it. Lewis said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next it is since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. And then his famous words, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Here's the great irony. The more we think about the next life, the more effective we become for God in this life. I've seen that illustrated in a strange way in my own life. I've had this experience three times where I was serving in a church and then called by God to another church. 
I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to the cemetery from here, okay? You're going to have to drag me out of here. But I've had that sensation in the past of being in one church and called to another church. And you know, it was always exciting going to a new place of ministry, but there was always that period of time after the new church had called me that I had to go back to my old church and finish up my work there. And I'd have about a month to kind of wrap things up. And you know, ironically, those four weeks or so were usually the most productive time in my entire ministry in that church. You know, I was really highly motivated because I knew I would be leaving soon. I wanted to wrap things up and leave things in good shape at that church. And not only that, I had a certain freedom. I mean, I could make the decisions I felt were best, not having to worry about what other people thought because after all, what could they do to me? Fire me? Who cared? I was already going someplace else. And I thought, you know, that is a good metaphor for what our life ought to be like here on earth. The fact is, we're all leaving here. Our departure is certain. It's not going to be very long till we go to that place called heaven. But knowing that our future is secure ought to be a motivation for us to live the most effective lives for God that we can right now. That was certainly true of the Old Testament saints, where they were talking about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah. In Hebrews 11, there is that roll call of faith, these heroes of the faith. And notice what Hebrews 11:13 said about all of these men and women of faith. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. And having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. They never received the blessing until they died. But that didn't stop them from thinking about it. They were fixated on that future country God had planned for them. And that future country is what motivated them to live obedient lives. The same was true for the Apostle Paul. He was living in two worlds at the same time. His citizenship was in heaven and yet he was on earth to fulfill God's will. And that caused a conflict in Paul. In Philippians 1, 21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, you know, it works out for me either way. As long as I'm living, I'm living for God, doing what he wants me to do. But if he decides to take me, guess what? It's gonna be better for me. And that's why he said in verse 23, I'm hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ for that is very much better. And yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Paul said, I'm conflicted. I'd really like to go on to heaven and be with God. But at the same time, I want to be here and fulfill the ministry God has for me. That's the kind of life God wants us to have focused on our future home but being effective in this world until God calls us home. Well, of course, the fact is for all of us here today, God has left us in this world, at least for now. So here's the question. Since we are here and we're not there, why should we be thinking about there while we're still here? Over these next 10 weeks, we're going to answer 10 of the most often asked questions about heaven. But in the few minutes we have left today, I want to answer the most foundational question. And that is, what difference does a future heaven make in my life today? And on your outlines, I want you to jot down four benefits of being heavenly minded, of focusing on that place called heaven. First of all, focusing on heaven reminds us of the brevity of our earthly life. 
As many of you know, both of my parents died at a relatively young age. And while I certainly miss my parents, one of the benefits of their early departure was reminding me constantly of how brief our time here on earth is. James said it this way about the brevity of life. James 4.14, he said, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor. That Greek word atmos means a mist. You are just a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. The apostle Peter observed, 1 Peter 1.24, all people are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. As one preacher in the deep south said, life is like grass. It is sown. It is grown. It is mown. It is blown and then it's gone. <laughs> I don't know if that was from the deep south or not, but... Uh, that's what life is. It's over just like that. King David said it a little more eloquently in Psalm 39, verses four and five. He said, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days and let me know how transient I am. Behold, you have made my days as handbreadths and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. <laughs> Focusing on heaven reminds us of the brevity of our earthly life. Secondly, focusing on heaven prepares us for the certainty of judgment. The popular song, everybody is going to heaven, couldn't be more wrong. Everybody is not going to heaven. I want you to turn over in your New Testament to Matthew chapter 7. And I want you to look at Jesus' words in verses 13 and 14. We looked at this verse and these verses extensively in our series, Not All Roads Lead to Heaven. But let me remind you of what Jesus said. It's counterintuitive to what you hear today. It's politically incorrect, if you will. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. But the gate is small. And the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Jesus said there's not one way, one road that leads everybody to the same destination. He said there are two roads or ways that lead to two very different destinations. Will you notice three observations about these two verses? Number one, there is a way that leads to eternal death. There is a road that leads to eternal death. And Jesus said, most people are on that road. What is that road that way? Isaiah 53, 6 says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Do you know how you can make certain you go to hell when you die? Just do nothing. Just do nothing. Keep living like you're living, keep going the way you're going, and you're absolutely guaranteed to end up in hell. The moment we are born, we are born on the road leading away from God. We are born on that pathway to hell. Say, how do I ever get off that road? Well, you have to make a U-turn. 
You have to make a U-turn, a spiritual U-turn, get off that road and get on the more narrow road that leads to heaven. I don't use that term U-turn by accident. That's a biblical term. Did you know that? The word is repent, metanoeo. The word repent means a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. Jesus made that very clear in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. That's the way, secondly, that leads to eternal life. There's a way that leads to eternal death. Most people are on that way, that road. There's a more narrow way that leads to eternal life. But notice, thirdly, there are gates that open to both eternal death and eternal life. Jesus said at the end of the road, for those who are non-Christians, there is a gate that leads to eternal judgment. For Christians on that more narrow road to heaven, at the end of their lives, there is also a gate that leads to everlasting blessing. What are those gates? The gates are judgment. You see, the Bible says at the end of our lives, whether we are a Christian or a non-Christian, every one of us is going to be judged by God. Remember what Hebrews 9, 27 promises? It is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. That's not a truth just for non-Christians. A lot of people think only non-Christians are going to be judged. No, that's for everybody. Every one of us in this room, every one of us watching this program, one day will be judged by God. Now, the difference is there is one gate, one judgment for non-Christians, and there's another judgment gate for Christians. The gate that is the judgment that leads to hell is the judgment we often refer to as the great white throne judgment. It's described in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. We'll talk about this judgment more in the coming weeks, but look at it with me briefly. And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Verse 15, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We're just whetting our appetites today for what will prove to be a fascinating study on a place called heaven. Let me encourage you to tell a friend about this series. And today I'm especially eager to tell you about a best-selling book I've written for you. My book is a gift book. It's called Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. It's based on my original best-selling book, A Place Called Heaven. Heaven is not a fictional place or a state of mind. It's real. And when we truly embrace the reality of our forever home, it puts our daily suffering into perspective. You see, I've designed this book to help you celebrate what God has prepared for you as a means of coping with any kind of loss you might be experiencing right now. And once you're done reading Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven, I suspect you'll want to pass it along to a friend who's dealing with loss of any kind right now. 
A padded hardcover copy of this gift book is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Let me reinforce that your financial partnership truly makes a difference. When you invest in Pathway to Victory, you're allowing men and women all across the country to catch a glimpse of heaven perhaps like never before. I received a note from Gregory, who listens to Pathway to Victory in Arizona. He wrote, Pastor Jeffress, my niece, sent me a copy of your book, A Place Called Heaven. I read it, and I was completely and immediately convicted about the state of my relationship with God. He has reached out and touched me, and set my feet on the path back home to Him. Friends, thank you for your continued generosity in giving to Pathway to Victory. God will use your gift to pierce the darkness with the light of His Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, we'll say thanks by sending you a copy of the highly requested gift book from Dr. Jeffress called Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. Just call 866-999-2965 or go online to ptv.org. And when you give $75 or more, you'll also receive the A Place Called Heaven teaching series on CD and DVD, along with a copy of the original best-selling book by Dr. Jeffress titled A Place Called Heaven. To request the complete package of resources, call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. Now, if you'd like to write, here's the address. P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again next time when Dr. Jeffress continues his message called, What Difference Does a Future Heaven Make in My Life Today? That's Tuesday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.